Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy. And obviously, every hour, every day in this COVID world, we get more and more information on COVID. But we also get more and more um, things trying to reopen, and we also get further or hopefully closer to a vaccine as vaccines take up the news. So to break all that down, Dr. Michael Minio from Kaleida Health joins us to talk about that. Doctor, good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well. Uh, first, before we get to vaccine talk, I'd like to know your perspective. What do you think about, you know, yesterday there were college football games going on in a few of those stadiums, especially in Tallahassee, uh, pretty full with people. What do you think when you see that and where we are with COVID? It causes some concern because what I worry about is that people start getting too comfortable. We've done an incredible job flattening the curve to this point, And the last thing we need to do is take our foot off the brake now. And, and be back to square one. Uh, doctor, uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. And, and I was curious, you know, we're six months now into the, the COVID crisis, the era of the pandemic. How do you think things have evolved over the six months in your mind? So I think if you remove politics from it, you'll see an incredible public health effort. It is really incredible to see how industry, hospitals, and our community has really come together if you walk down the street, you'll just see everybody wearing masks. Um, if you work in the hospital, you realize that COVID is actually a very small part of our operations now because we've controlled the situation so well. So I'm not looking at this as failures, but an incredible public health success today. Do you see um, a, a, a whole kind of uh, philosophy about herd immunity and, and that kind of thing? You hear a lot of terms that are being bandied about. And I know that a lot of people are concerned about uh, the spread and the containment, obviously, about what's going on. And they talk often about a herd immunity. Is that something that's medically, scientifically based? Or is that something uh, more along the lines of wishful thinking? So herd immunity is scientifically based. And it's the idea that if you get a certain percent of the population to be immune to a disease, 
that it can no longer spread like wildfire. The number that we normally think it is, is about 60% of the community needs to be immune. Immunity could come from two routes, vaccination or already having the disease. So we know the concept works. What we don't know right now is where are we with herd immunity? But even if you look at the hardest affected areas like New York City, they have about 20% of their population with antibodies. We still know that's not enough for herd immunity. You know, spe- speaking of that, doctor, I go back to March. And again, obviously, this is me with no medical background and trying to understand COVID. But, you know, I, I can only understand a virus as much as I can understand anything in the medical world. Uh, but, you know, we look back at March and April uh, when we were in the lockdowns. But many of us were still going to grocery stores, uh, to a Walmart or Target. Uh, and at times, those stores, especially around Easter, were packed with people. We didn't have masks on. Uh, why? Why is it that our numbers didn't get any higher while this was spreading with such a contagious virus? So the numbers were higher in March and April. So flipping over to my other head as an emergency physician, when I was in the emergency department, then the emergency room was full of patients with COVID. And it was quite scary because we saw young people, older people. And since we put our efforts into place, starting March, April, moving forward, that really just tapped down. It really just stopped. So Now, during a shift, you might see one or two patients with COVID before you see 10, 11. So I do think that our efforts are working. It just took a while for everybody to get aligned. Doctor, uh, I wonder if there's a a certain amount of complacency setting in, though, because since the curve has been flattened uh, and and there are more people being allowed in certain establishments like restaurants and other places, uh, there's concern, I think, about folks who may be taking their masks off or decide that a mask isn't necessary What's your advice when it comes to wearing a mask? I want everybody to reflect back on the situation we had back in, you know, January, February, March, where we had the the upward spike. And it might be a little harder for people in the community that didn't really see it, but see the number of patients that were made ill by this, the people that we lost from this. And it's hard because we're not seeing that now, so it's easy to put your guard down. But I think your show right now is a great example of what we need to do as a community just keep reminding everybody to stay vigilant. Let's not go backwards. Just because we've done an incredible job turning back a pandemic. This is not the Spanish flu anymore because we've had such a concerted effort. You know, um, when I go to a supermarket, for instance, I always have a mask on and you can't even get in the store without a a mask. And that's true of many other establishments. But uh, when I walk my dog, for instance, I don't wear a mask. I have one in my pocket in case I come upon anybody. Do you think that's a good practice? In other words, I guess I'm asking, doctor, when is it okay to take the mask off? Is it when you're away from somebody or you're not within six feet of somebody? What are some of the protocols that we can't afford to overlook still at this point? In order to catch the virus, you have to actually inhale a certain amount of the virus particles. So if you're walking past somebody you're not in an environment where you're really going to catch unless you stop and talk to them. And our evidence suggests probably about an hour. So being mobile and walking, riding your bike, all of those, I personally don't wear a mask. But if I become stationary or I'm in an enclosed environment, like in a house or building, that's where you really have to wear a mask. So as long as you're outside and moving, the risk is it's never zero, but it's low. You know, and there's, uh, oh, sorry, Brenda. Joe, I was just going to mention to the doctor about the obvious symptoms that we have heard about over and over again since this uh, emerged. Fever, cough, shortness of breath, um, you know, loss of taste or smell. 
But then if you, let's say you don't feel well and you can't quite put your finger on it and you take your temperature and it's, and it's uh, a fever, should you go and get tested? I mean, how do you know when it, it should be a COVID test or how do you know when it's just perhaps a cold or other type of flu or just feeling that well for a day or two? I think that's a great question. And my answer is don't risk it. The minute you have those symptoms, you have to self-quarantine. Even if it's in your own house, try to stay away from your family and contact their physician. In most cases, they're going to recommend getting a COVID test just because the accessibility of that has increased. And just so that we know, but between getting your test and the symptoms, please stay home, stay isolated, keep you, your state, your family, and your community safe. Doctor, I want to go back to, to my last question. I did an awful job of asking it. Uh, so we go back to like March and April when we were all still, yes, locked down, but when we went out, we were still in close quarters of each other without a mask. Do you think there is a segment of the population that might be immune to COVID without getting COVID or does it not work that way? We don't know. So you have to look at it from a bigger picture that this is a brand new virus. We know almost nothing about the way it behaves the way your body reacts to it. But we do know there are certain segments of the population that actually were exposed, developed antibodies, and never had symptoms. Again, we don't have 10 years of data to know that, but we're thinking it's probably 3 to 5% of the population actually are exposed and don't develop symptoms. And this tends to be the younger, healthier people, but some people do. And there's some thoughts, well, is the virus mutating and becoming less dangerous and so people just aren't getting the symptoms? Again, we don't have any evidence to support that, and we want to err on the side of caution. We are talking to Dr. Michael Minio from Kaleida Health. He is the vice president and chief medical officer for Millard Fillmore Suburban and DeGraff Memorial Hospitals. Uh, Dr. Minio, now vaccines have been back in the news this year. Uh, I want to ask you about the AstraZeneca uh, vaccine. But first, Dr. Fauci said in an interview yesterday that a vaccine would have to last for almost, uh, have to exist for almost a year before things are completely back to normal. Uh, What did he mean and why is that the case? What we need to get to is you made that state question earlier about herd immunity. So we need 60% of the population to have immunity. And so my suspicion is what he's implying is it's going to take that long to be sure that 60% of the community either had the disease, had the vaccine, and now has immunity. So if we start doing the vaccine on January 1st, come February 1st, we are not going to have 60% of the community immune. It will take probably a full year to where we're completely comfortable and life returns to normal. Dr. Uh, hydroxychloroquine has uh, been in the public uh, consciousness for a few months now, a lot of controversy about that drug. Um, I read something this morning where uh, combined with vitamin D3, there might be some preventative measures for COVID-19. Any truth to that? I would not say that that's the standard of care. There's any strong evidence. So as we were saying earlier, this is an evolving disease. We are learning about it. So Hydroxychloroquine went from the yes list to the no list back to the yes list. We are taking all the data we can, interpreting it as quick as we can to try to learn. But what you're describing there, I would not recommend it at this point. Um, I do want to ask you, too, about we we have a text board where folks can text in questions to us. And certainly our phone lines are open, too, if anybody would like to ask the doctor a question, 803-0930. But somebody was asking about uh, wearing a mask. Can you guarantee that a mask will not harm you? I guess, conversely, there's 
concern that maybe wearing a mask isn't a good idea. What would you say to uh, to people who feel that way? So we are now going on the best studies we have. And the best studies we have show that if you have a surgical mask or a similar multi-layer mask, you actually decrease the number of particles that are going. And so it's all theoretical. We don't have these huge studies where we infect people with the virus, put a mask on them and see if it works or doesn't. So we're using proxy studies, like using light to deflect spit molecules to see what deflects the most. And we know that surgical and multi-layer masks work the best, but we are seeing that bandana and gaiter masks don't work as well. And in fact, there's some studies showing they actually cause particles to break into small pieces that may actually spread the virus. Hmm. Interesting, because I imagine people thought with gaiters, well, you've got your neck covered, half your face, and yet, in fact, uh, surgical masks wor- works better, right? Correct. Surgical masks are, so the, the best option is the N95, but that requires you're properly fitted, which wouldn't happen in the public. Then beyond that, surgical mask, And then the layer behind that would be some of these multiple layer cotton masks. Um, bandanas and gaiters, we're trying to get the message out that they're just not as effective. Doctor, speaking of vaccines, you know, we have all these companies and countries, you know, racing to be the first COVID-19 vaccine. We saw one get a pause, but yesterday uh, be able to start up again after an unexplained illness. Uh, As a doctor, the first vaccine uh, that's going to be rushed out to people, how much do you trust that uh, just on the base of how quickly uh, they've come out with the vaccine? So I think you have to trust the healthcare system. So there's different competing countries coming out with different vaccines. Some countries are noted to they're now skipping the stage three clinical trials. Those I would not feel comfortable with. If you are getting one in the United States, you know it's gone through the three stages. And at that point, I'd feel comfortable. And I think that you saw the safety systems in with what happened with AstraZeneca, where they had one serious adverse reaction And they stopped all the studies across the world to stop and study that to determine was it because of the vaccine or because disease happens in the population and there's tens of thousands of people in that trial. So once the FDA gives the approval, I will feel comfortable getting it for myself and my family. And that's kind of typical, isn't it, Dr. Minio, that um, these trials are stopped if there's some kind of glitch in the result? Exactly, because with vaccines, safety comes first. And even more so with some of the issues we had back in the 1990s about does do vaccines cause disease? So there are multiple redundant safety systems. So whenever you get an unexpected result, they will stop and really focus on it. Because as you do tests on thousands of people, there are people who, even if they didn't get the vaccine or whatever the intervention is, would have had a heart attack. So you have to prove it's not causal. Dr. Menio, uh, again, this question uh, might answer itself, and I apologize. Um, but, you know, we saw with the uh, H1N1 flu, that kind of just fizzled out, if I'm remembering cor- correctly. Uh, are we too into COVID now for that kind of effect with this virus? Is it going to have to be something we attack with a vaccine? We don't know for sure. That is our suspicion. You know, H1N1, SARS. Both of them did eventually kind of burn themselves. We think they may have mutated, became less aggressive. We have no evidence that COVID is doing that. We're still seeing it in the community. Uh, so, again, it's, we have to go with the idea that we need to be as aggressive as possible. Doctor, do you mind if we take one call? No, please. All right. We'll go to uh, Juanita in Tonawanda. Juanita, you're on Hardline with Dr. Michael Minio. 
yes, good morning, doctor. My concern is for children. I have two uh, 20-year-old uh, grandsons and um, a young granddaughter. My concern is about the blood disorders that could be affecting the children. That That is, you know, very frightening for me to see and for my family to know about. Are you able to shed any information on that? Can you tell me further about the blood disorder you're referring to? Well, I think if I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm correct. It's, uh, it affects the children and uh, the young adults, the blood disorder. Uh, if they get the flu, uh, the virus, I should say, and the, uh, I'm not exactly sure how far along it affects them, but, you know, now that they're out into school and colleges and going to parties and so on, um, I'm not, like I said, I'm not sure what the disease is called of the blood disorder. So I don't know if you can shed any light on that. In pediatric populations, we are seeing a rare complication of systemic inflammatory response. It's very rare, and it's in smaller children. But that's part of the reason why, as a community, we need to be safe to protect our most vulnerable, which is the young children. There are some thoughts, well, kids don't get as sick. And generally, they don't. But some, rare, will progress to that more serious inflammatory response. So by all doing our part, we can protect that portion of the population. All right, Juanita, thank you for the call. We'll go to Rochester. This will be the last one. John, you're on with Dr. Mike Mignot. Hey, hey, doctor. Uh, I heard some stats recently. Uh, In fact, I talked to a funeral director, coincidentally, the other day, and uh, he said that the COVID death rate is way overrated and that the, the real deaths are being caused by things other than COVID. I think the CDC had a uh, study on that, but this this guy uh, sees you know death every day, and that was his opinion. The other thing I heard too, a stat that total deaths are the lowest point in 14 years, uh, which says to me that COVID hasn't affected the total death rate. But my ultimate question, doctor, is uh, the herd immunity thing. Do you think? We might want to try a different tactic, but we've got to get uh, 60% people of the people uh, that have the antibodies to get herd immunity. Shouldn't we allow healthy people to get, get the uh, virus so we can get to that 60% quicker? I think that's a great question, and that is actually a model some countries have tried, most famously Sweden, where they told their elderly, those who are vulnerable, take it upon yourself, 100% self-quarantine, and they've allowed their community and their economy to just remain open. What they saw was a, one of the highest spikes in that curve that we all see on the news and use that essentially to get to herd immunity. Now, the problem with that is that their death rate at that point was higher, and they had a lot of deaths and a lot of illness, but now they're closer to herd immunity. So their thought was, let's just rip the Band-Aid off and get it over with, whereas I think our community, the United States, our approach is, Let's go for the long haul and do as much as we can to protect as many as we can, even though it may have negative impact on the economy. Different philosophical approaches to the problem. Doc, uh, before you go, we have a very interesting question from a texter who said, once someone is vaccinated, would it be wise for them to continue wearing a mask? Uh, They're sure a lot of people will claim they're immunized and don't need to wear a mask. That is a great question. Once we have the vaccine, we aren't, it's going to take a while to know how effective it is. Are we going to need boosters? So I think that we're still going to have to take precautions. My approach would be to continue to wear a mask during really high-risk exposures. 
Um, let's say we get the vaccine in January and they open the Sabres back up in March, April, so you can go to the game. In that case, in that type of an environment, I would continue to wear a mask until I'm completely comfortable. But I think in other areas, right now where you're wearing a mask, you know, going to the mall and that, I would be more comfortable not wearing one once I'm vaccinated. Dr. Mania, one last thing. You, you talked about going to a Sabres game and wearing a mask. If the Bills came out in October and said 50% capacity, but you have to have a mask on while in the stadium, would you advise against that? So I think you have to look at your own situation. For me, I think that's still going to be too early. You saw the Kansas City game, and you saw they had, I believe, 20% capacity, and everybody was wearing a mask, and it looked reasonable. Now, if it's a younger person who's in an environment where they continue to self-quarantine, I think that you could you consider going. But if you're somebody who works in the public, works in a skilled nursing facility, works in schools, you have to ask, is it worth the risk of me exposing myself and exposing the people I work with? For me in healthcare, the answer is no. Really insightful information. Dr. Michael Minio, thank you very much for taking time out on a Sunday morning, Doc. We really appreciate your input. Thank you for getting this message out to the community. Go Bills. Yeah, go Bills indeed. And we're about an hour and a half away, Joe, and you and I are chopping at the bit for the game. We can't wait. But we are not done on Hardline. Dr. Kevin Hardwick will join us in just a couple of minutes. It's Brenda Alesi and Joe Beamer on Hardline. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. E-E-N. Welcome back to Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy with you. 24 minutes of political talk left. And then it's time for football. One o'clock kickoff from Bills Stadium. And Brenda, you know what would be so refreshing to me? If I logged on to Twitter during the Bills game and people were only tweeting about football and not politics. Oh, my young co-host, <laughs> if only. But I don't think that will happen, Joe. I think it's pretty I, unlikely. Yeah, like uh, I noticed that on Thursday, 
you know, you go on Twitter and it's just people complaining about the fact that there are fans in the stadium or complaining about politics. It's like, I, I can I just go on? Sundays are for football after Hardline, obviously. Um, well, Sundays are know, for Joe, football. In a perfect world, yes. But, uh, but you know, football has become uh, a political symbol, too, because a lot of people are not happy about uh, the NFL and the players protesting and therefore won't watch the game. So I think it's uh, we're, we're so well beyond that. But uh, I do want to just try to focus on the Bills game itself. Yes. As you point out. You got to do what I did on, on Thursday. I watched uh, college football until 835. And so when I flipped on NBC, they were kicking off. I didn't see any of the pregame stuff. So you know what? There we go. I avoided it. You have a remote. You know what they're going to do before the game. So turn the game on at 115. You'll be all set. That's one, uh, that's one tactic, that's for sure. But uh, let's just hope the Bills come out and try to, you know, it's a, you and I have talked about this for a long time, how sports really should be a diversion and it yes. doesn't necessarily have to be a political statement of sorts. So I'm hoping that we can just enjoy some good quality Buffalo Bills football because it's been a while since we could say the Bills were, you know, a quality team again. 100%. So forward to that. Speaking yep. of quality, we've got one of the most quality guests on the line, it is Dr. Kevin Hardwick. Dr. Hardwick, good morning. Good morning, Joe, and thank you for inviting me on this Buffalo Bills alternative pregame show. I got to tell you, <laughs> it, uh, it is a fantastic show. I've listened to most of it, and if I can exercise a point of personal privilege, I wanted to comment on a couple of the uh, the previous uh, segments. Well, of course. I mean, Kevin, you made the show what it is. Go right ahead. I, it, it, it really is. This is this is you guys outdid yourself this week. You really did. The first segment on Williamsville schools, fantastic. The only thing I want to say there is the interim superintendent, Dr. John McKenna. Uh, I know John McKenna. I know him well. He was in the Tonawanda City School District. He was uh, principal of Mullen Elementary School when my kids went there. Uh, he then went on to Fletcher uh, Elementary School. Uh, if anybody can solve that mess in Williamsville, it's uh, John McKenna. And if you're from Williamsville, uh, I would encourage you to give him uh, a week or two uh, to uh, sort this mess out because uh, because he is quality. He really is. Uh, the uh, the second segment you had uh, Sean Ryan on and uh, uh, talking about the Amagon uh, crematory, uh, which is something that's you know near and dear to my car- heart. I've been working on that issue for years. In 2014, I sponsored a resolution which was passed, which temporarily shut down the uh, uh the crematory until uh until it was overturned the resolution was uh overturned in in court but i got to tell you those people there have uh, the neighbors have been suffering for years with that situation back in the early 1990s they were assured that the crematory wouldn't affect uh, affect them there'd be no orders no mess no anything uh and they soon found out that that was uh, that was different uh, when they reopened again, they were assured again that, well, this is new technology that's going to work, and it's, uh, it, 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 we've solved the problems from before. Uh, and uh, I, as soon as they opened up, I started getting complaints from the neighbors again of, uh, of problems with odors. Not quite as bad as before. The new technology seemed to be working a little bit better, but it still hadn't solved all the problems. And this is a nice residential neighborhood, and it really is right in the backyard. You know, you go down Sheridan Drive, and you're flying along at 50 miles an hour or whatever, 
and you uh, you say, well, you know, that's that's you know, that's kind of a commercial zone. What are these people complaining about? No, you go one block away on Workley uh, Workley Road, and it is just the nicest residential neighborhood. And these people's homes, uh, Ron Labuda's home, backs right up to the uh, the crematory. You can see the stack there. Uh, they they have suffered, and and it really. I'm glad Sean Ryan is uh, is picking up the mantle, and hopefully he'll be able to to do something. And 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 finally that. Uh, that last segment with Dr. Michael uh, uh, Minio uh, from Kaleida, fantastic. I think we need to hear more of Dr. Minio and less of Dr. Hardwick. But, Joe, I will throw, we'll turn the tables on you and uh, ask you if you are as conflicted as I am as you watch the Mets and the Blue Jays. I mean, I'm hoping for a tie. What do you, what do, you do? Well, I mean, I have no allegiance to the Blue Jays. I see. But the fact that they're... They, they've kind of, you know, we've kind of adopted them as a uh, as a team because they came here. I mean, they're trying to make the stadium look anything other than Buffalo. Hey, here's the thing: if they were actually playing and they did what uh, the the uh, Hornets did after Katrina, and they went to Oklahoma City and they called themselves Oklahoma City for a season. So if the Blue Jays had called themselves the Buffalo Blue Jays, maybe I'd be conflicted. Um, but if they lost every game, it wouldn't bother me. Uh, so, so it's just let's go Mets. It's always let's go Mets, but I could have told you after Friday when they put 18 runs up that they would lose the rest of the weekend uh, because that's how the Mets do it. You got it. That was that was quite a game. That was. And then yesterday, I mean, typical Mets. They don't have the offense to win. Um, Kevin, now let's talk politics. Speaking of games. Yeah, speaking of games. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to get to you about the uh, about the interview tapes that you know we're hearing like it's some big revelation. But first, have you ever seen? And maybe my opinion, maybe you don't even agree with my opinion. I, I, I'm guessing you probably don't. Uh, but have you ever seen a campaign or two campaigns where their best strategy is for the candidate to shut up and let the other one talk? Oh, oh, I'll tell you, there are a lot of campaigns like that. Uh, to some extent, uh, you know, the 2000 campaign, uh, George Bush, George W. Bush versus Al Gore was like that. I mean, every time George Bush opened his mouth, he messed up the syntax. And it was one of those things where, you know, it made the highlight rule real or the blooper real, you know, him trying to put together seven words in a row. Uh, and Al Gore, every time he opened his mouth, he exaggerated something. He had a he had a, uh, a reputation as a serial exaggerator. Remember, he was the guy that invented the internet, and he was talking about uh, his prescription drug program and said that this uh, woman, uh, you know, from Tennessee, who he talked to, um, you know, uh, had to decide between buying her drugs and eating food. So she was eating dog food or something, and the media looked into it, of course, and she wasn't eating dog food. She was, you know, she was had enough money. Money to pay for that, but every time he opened his mouth, they, it was a gotcha moment that he brought on himself. So yeah, yeah. Oftentimes, oftentimes the best strategy is to to shut up. But do you agree with these two campaigns? It seems when Joe Biden talks, when he they finally let him talk to a crowd, uh, he only does himself harm. And obviously, we we know with the president that when he goes off the teleprompter, sometimes it'll end up in the 24-hour news cycle. Uh, it really does seem when the other candidate is quiet is when they get their best uh, bump in the polls. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's a, you know, for some time, uh, campaigns, and to a very real extent, uh, presidential campaigns, have been more negative than positive. And again, you bring the negatives oftentimes on yourself. 
Kevin, I, uh, I want to ask you about some news that broke uh, just within the past 24 hours, speaking of that news cycle that never ends. Uh, Michael Caputo, a familiar name here on WBEN, now working for the Trump administration, uh, found himself in the middle of quite a firestorm where it's alleged that he led a charge against altering the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention scientific reports to make them more compatible with what President Trump uh, is, views as uh, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic not being as serious as some might think. What's your, uh, what's your point of view on this one? Well, well, well that, that was in a political article, and I don't know that anybody has independently confirmed it. I, I just haven't paid that much attention. It's a weekend, and, and like Joe, I'm watching uh, the Mets and, and, and the Blue Jays. But um, if true, if true, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's certainly not what we need. Uh, and it's uh, something that we should all condemn. I mean, you, 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 you don't want, uh, in the middle of a pandemic, your, your trust in the agencies that we ask to protect us uh, to be compromised. And to a certain extent, you know, that's, that's happened already. Uh, and, you know, you talk about the vaccine. You know, you were talking to Dr. Minio about the vaccine coming out, and, and a lot of people aren't going to be willing to take the vaccine. And prior to about a week or so ago, uh, I was one of these uh, people that said, hey, I'll be first in line to take the vaccine. But I'm not sure anymore. I'd rather let Joe take it. And I'd watch Joe for a week. <laughs> Bring it to me right now. I'll, I'll, I'll be one of the test, pro- uh, test products. I, I, Roll up that sleeve, Beamer. But, you know, I mean, I mean, because everything's been so politicized, including our, our, our CDC, or Centers for Disease Control, and the National Institute of Health, uh, you know, you, you, you know, that's the last thing you need right now. You need to build up confidence in these agencies. So when when a uh, uh, healthcare professional like Dr. Minio uh, just says, "Hey, wear a mask," then people, you know, wear a mask. But you see too many people um, because this has been a Democrat Republican issue now saying, "No, I no, that's scare tactics. I'm not wearing a mask," which is just, you know, it's foolish. Uh, Kevin, speaking of confidence, the president was quoted this week as saying he did not want to panic the American public because of the reports that came out about uh, underplaying the pandemic that was in Bob Woodward's uh, book. Uh, It's got to be a fine line between wanting to appear confident and lead the country in a way that that inspires uh, confidence. And yet uh, you have to be realistic about a real threat, a pandemic unlike anything we've ever seen before. It's no coincidence it was called the novel coronavirus. Uh, how do you think this will play out in the next few weeks? Well, I, I don't know. I, I would hope that, uh, that the president, you know, will change his strategy there because it's not a, you know, this is not a dichotomous variable wear a mask don't wear a mask um you know panic or or remain calm i mean there's something in between at that rally last night where his uh, supporters were standing shoulder to shoulder most of them without a mask i think if he just you know stepped up to the mic and said hey 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 guys this stuff is real this covid thing is real uh, don't panic now don't panic but if you could just put on a mask and maybe step a foot or two away from the person next to you you know, I, I think that would be the responsible thing to do. Uh, instead, he goes out there and he mocks Joe Biden for, you know, social distancing. And he talks about the circles that Biden has at his events to, to make sure everybody's so many feet apart. 
I, I mean, that's – I just don't get that. But, I really don't. But, Kevin, do, do you think, you know, the president trying to not panic people, as he said, uh, trying to downplay it so we are not in a panic, why is he getting so much uh, attention when the governor of New York that everyone thinks did this great job also early on was downplaying COVID-19, even up until the Monday before he shut the state down, he was saying that we can handle this, that it's not that bad. We put up with the flu every year. Why aren't other leaders being called out like the president? Well, they are. If you if you watch Fox News, that's all they talk about. I played for one of my political science classes, a freshman political science class. I talked to them about critical thinking and the fact that you just can't take your talking points from Rush Limbaugh or Rachel Maddow. You got to only from Joe Beamer. What's that? Only from Joe Beamer is where you get your talking points. <laughs> don't don't go there, Joe. Don't go. There. Anyway, you you know. So I, I played them the first ten minutes of Morning Joe, and then I followed it by playing the first ten minutes of Fox and Friends. And you would think you were on different planets. And this is right after the Woodward stuff came out, the morning after. So Joe and Mika are all over Trump, and you know saying the things about how terrible it is. And then Fox and Friends is all over Cuomo and Pelosi and early on. And you're right, you know, early on, the first month or two, or the first, certainly the first weeks, uh, no one knew. I mean, I can remember being confused and what is this? I mean, we've never encountered this before. But we're six months into this. You know, the, all those deaths in New York happened in the first couple months. Uh, we really rang up the total. Uh, but now, I mean, I think Alan Harris just reported, what was it, uh, six deaths yesterday? Uh, I heard that, and I went to the, uh, the CDC website, and yesterday there were 98 in Florida, 105 in Texas. Uh, Arizona had 26, Georgia, 41, Tennessee, 41. All these states that are much, you know, smaller than us are, you know, relatively speaking, they're still struggling with it. And I don't, I don't like to look at cases. I would rather, you know, because cases, the president has a point when he says you stop testing, you know, you, uh, you don't get as many cases, or you start testing and you, you get more cases. But the, the deaths are something that you, you, you could look at. And there are, in these states that aren't taking it as seriously as we are in New York, um, you know, their, their death count is, is up there relative to their population. Ours, six yesterday in New York State, is sad. And our hearts go out to the people whose uh, loved ones are among those six. Uh, but relative to where you know where we were, um, you know, it's it's relatively good. Uh, the other thing is, you 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 look at other countries. I mean, Canada had you know zero a day or two. Uh, you go over to France, and you go over to England, you go over to Spain even, and Italy even, and you know it's a handful of of cases every day. I'm sorry, a handful of deaths every day. And, and, you know, you say, geez, if that were us, then we wouldn't have it, be having this argument in Williamsville about, you know, whether to go remote or whether to have in-class or hybrid or whatever, because we'd be in a good, good, good position. Uh, but that, you know, that takes leadership from the top. And when you've got the president of the United States yesterday mocking his opponent for doing the social distancing thing, the thing that the CDC tells him he should be doing, then, you know, that's, that's kind of self-defeating. And we're going to be struggling with this a lot longer than we should. It was, you know, it was going to be bad regardless. Uh, but it's been made a lot worse, really. Well, I, 
I have to say, I, I do disagree. I mean, New York is still the number one state in deaths, and two, if you're doing per, mil, uh, per million. Uh, so it's not like we can. the governor of New York should be doing a victory lap. No, no, Joe, you know, we are the number one state in deaths. And up until a few, well, a month or so ago, we were the number one in cases. But the others have been catching up. Uh, and ours were in the first, uh, first couple months, you know, when no one knew how to handle this. Now, when it hits you, you know, you do know, you know, the better therapies to use. Uh, you do know how to treat it a little bit better. We were the, we were the uh, canary in the coal mine. And you expect the canary to die. That's why you bring the canary into the coal mine. But, the, but it's incumbent upon the other miners, once they see the canary die, to say, hey, you know, we better get out of here. We better do something different. Otherwise, we'll die, too. And it's obvious that these, these other states uh, that you know, aren't taking this as seriously as we are today in New York um, have not heeded. But I want to go back to the— to the initial point, uh, in the president trying to not create panic. Uh, don't you think there's something to be said about the tone, trying to keep things positive, uh, trying to keep a, a, a message that's not, uh, you know, hiding, lock everyone in your house message, um, as opposed to, you know, the governor, and especially in this county, uh, it, it seems like it's all, I mean, you know, the world's going to end every time they take the podium. Six people died in New York State yesterday. Again, um, relative to other states, that's really, really good. So is it, is it uh, have they gone too far? Maybe. But, you know, there's something to be said for erring on the side of caution. And again, the president isn't, you know, we don't have to worry about the president trying to fall in a panic on, on this thing because he's, he's mocking people who take the advice of his own CDC, um, you know, there is a middle ground. You can say, hey, you know, uh, I think the other states have gone too far. I think you can, you know, Joe, I know you wanted to open up gyms a lot sooner, and you can do that and do that, but just use your head. You know, everybody wear a mask like they do in these other countries. I don't disagree with that. And, and you know, um, we'll get better. We'll get through it better, you know, and w- then we can open up the economy. Right. Hey, Kevin, you're preaching you're preaching to the choir, believe me. I'm all about, if I can do more things, I will wear a mask for the rest of my life, Kevin, if that means I can go back to doing the things I was doing in February. Yeah. Well, they, they, you know, guys, that was my whole point, too. If you're going to wear a mask, then and the president wants to make sure that the economy reopens, wear a mask, be responsible, and let's get the economy humming again. I don't understand why there has to be that point of view versus no mask at all, go to Sturgis, go to Nevada, go to all these places with no masks. It makes no sense. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Brenda. I mean, and I think, you know, the economy and the, the, the COVID, we're not going to get the economy back that we want until we solve the coronavirus thing. And, you know, a cheap way to do that is this mask thing. And by the way, I hate the mask. I can't wait to get out of class, get outside, away from everybody, and tear that mask off. I hate it. What kind of mask do you have, uh, Dr. Hardwick? Like you guys, you got to do it. What kind of mask do you have? I, I have this black cloth mask that my, my wife got me. Um, yeah, I, 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 just because I'm too lazy to walk over to Human Resources at Kenesha <laughs> and get one nice <laughs> mask. I got to get me one of those, though. Well, yeah, uh, I think the surgical masks masks are less uh, uncomfortable, if you will. I think they're a little easier to breathe in. But I'm with you, Kevin. I can't wait to whip that thing off when I get in my car or whatever. It just, but I'm not gonna, you know, as I've said before, I'd rather wear a mask than a ventilator. So, 
I'm, I'm going to comply and I will wear a mask as uncomfortable as it is. Kevin, I have one last question for you and, and probably the toughest question I'm going to ask you today. Um, how's the bill? How are the bills going to do in an hour? Oh, 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 the bills are going to kick butt today. If, if they don't, you know, if they don't win by 20 points, I'll be disappointed. While we were talking politics, everyone on ESPN's Sunday countdown uh, picked the bills to beat the Jets. So a good boost of confidence from them as well. That worries me. That worries me. That's a kiss. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) All right. Well, Dr. Kevin Harwick, it's always a pleasure to have you on. And I'm sure we'll be talking uh, soon and more frequently as we get close to the election. Thank you, Joe. Have a nice, uh, have a nice rest of the Sunday. Go Bills. Go Bills. Thanks, Kevin. Dr. Kevin Hardwick, always, uh, always a good guest. And Brenda, you know, he is the guy that made this show what it is. So we always appreciate when he can join us. Absolutely. Well, Joe, what a great show. We certainly had a power-packed couple of hours, and uh, I know that you and I will be uh, glued to the TV in about an hour. Go Bills. Go Bills. Have fun. Obviously, be safe, but have fun. Enjoy the game. Brenda and I will be back here on Sunday. And don't forget, starting tomorrow morning, 5 a.m., Susan and Brian, David Bellavia at 9, Rush Limbaugh at noon, Tom Bowerly at 3. Ooh, and starting on Friday, a schedule change in the evenings. More on that as we go. We'll talk to you next week here on Hardline. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.